You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. Look, generally I'm a confused sort of bloke, but I'm more confused than ever now when it comes to geopolitics, politics in South Africa, politics in the rest of the world, um, macroeconomics in both South Africa and the rest of the world. And generally what markets are doing, are interest rates going up? Have they peaked? Are they coming down? Because inflation has peaked. I've covered so much in the last couple of weeks, whether it be jobs data, inflation data, interest rate minutes from the Federal Open Market Committee and all that sort of stuff. Never mind a raft of results from the JSE Securities Exchange listed companies, which continue today. I want to clear the decks now. Now, and I want to talk organically. I want to plumb the heights of someone's heart and head, someone who's been in the markets for a long time and someone who is well-seasoned. Now, well-seasoned sounds a bit odd, actually, because it sounds like a bunch of chicken wings about to go on the barbecue, but that's not the case at all. Anyway, I've rambled on too long. I'm speaking to Joanne Bain from Sterling Private Wealth. I'm serious, Joanne. I don't want to know any analytics about EBITDA or income statements or balance sheets or anything like that or the Fed minutes. I want to know what you feel and genuinely feel in your heart and your head about what's going on at the moment, please, both locally and internationally. There you go. That's easy. Okay. I think locally it's easier in the sense that if I have to hear the word South Africans are resilient (laughs) one more time, I'm going to explode. I think South Africans have absolutely had enough. And, you know, that's not just about equity market performance, because that's largely a function of what China's doing and largely a function of the fact of where the brand is going. So all of us who think we have huge insights into the JSC I don't think that's always very true because the SA Inc. portion, which is really about a local economy, is becoming increasingly a smaller part of our market. So if you look at local fundamentals, my point is they don't have a huge bearing on the SA equity market. The biggest bearing is things that are way outside what happens here. But I think as citizens of South Africa, we're unbelievably angry at the moment. And for me, this latest story this morning that Andre de Reyes has been fired and that the government's going to investigate him is just another final straw in so many is happening in South Africa at the moment. So if you're asking me how I feel about South Africa, I feel very passionately and I'm very angry. But, you know, you can still make money in the JSC because if the RAND appreciates, asset prices go up. It's a great, the JSC is a great RAND hedge, for want of a better word. But when you're talking about global markets, I have never in my life been more confused than I am right now. Yeah, me too. And... And, you know, that, I don't know if that makes me feel better or for worse that you and I agreeing with each other. Mm-hmm. But, but the economic data and the, the comments from the Fed are all over the place. You have a U.S. economy that's had a seismic increase in interest rates. And yet the economy continues to move, get stronger. An economy that the consumer doesn't seem to feel the pain of interest rate cut. I mean, hikes. And I think that is a partly a function of the fact so the housing market today, an awful lot of people have fixed rate bonds, so they haven't actually felt the pain of higher rates yet. But, but you kind of think it's inevitable that that economy starts to slow, and we're all trying to guess when that's going to be. And I don't know if you, I mean, you would have spoken to lots of people who said to you, well, there's you no know, hard landing, soft landing, another latest no landing. But, but things don't add up because historically, when you've had these kind of rate hikes, a kind of recession has felt inevitable, and yet we're not seeing it. I think what we are seeing is that company earnings have been disappointing of late. They, you know, they haven't beaten like they normally beat. Because remember, it's all smoke and mirrors. So they, they come up with their earnings, they downgrade their earnings, then beat those downgraded earnings. 
but but meanwhile, earnings have still fallen. Uh, and this time around, the beats have been much lower than usual. So you want to ask me something? No, I was just going to say, yeah, I've always found it rather distasteful that everyone says, oh, look, uh, this particular company, an S&P 500 top 10 company is, has beaten its estimates. Who comes up with the estimates? I'm sure they fudge it. I'm absolutely certain that they fudge it. And everyone says, phew, thank goodness this company did so well. And up the share price goes 2.5% and on it goes. What we've got here is suddenly something very important indeed. We've got a couple of things that we've never seen before over the last 10, 15 years, and that is an increase in the cost of money, an increase in the cost of the shopping basket of the average American and the average uh, citizen in the world, actually, and also earnings that are not quite up to scratch. So you've got three things that we've been used to have been thrown out the window. And that is why I'm slightly nervous about international markets. And when I look at the screen, three days out of five, uh, I hesitate to say I'm right because I never am, but it looks as though myself and maybe even you are starting to get right. Look, I think people like myself have probably been, and if I can criticise it, have probably been too bearish for too long because I stupidly thought fundamentals mattered. And when you had a central banks running the casino with zero interest rates, fundamentals were irrelevant. And that is the world we've lived in for a very, very long time. But to your point, I think that's changing, and I call it the regime change. And I think if you're expecting inflation in the States to fall back to 2% in a huge hurry, I think you're mistaken. If you think, I think central banks are going to suddenly pivot and cut rates, I think you're mistaken. But if you look at the way retail investors are trading in the markets, they still think the history is going to repeat itself. They still think, oh, well, don't worry, the Fed will come and rescue the day. We must just go and buy long tech shares. Hmm. So who would have ever thought the Nasdaq would be doing so well this year? Because you think, well, wait a minute. A lot of these companies have poor fundamentals. The discount rate's risen, to your point. You know, inflation is rising. And there are other companies who can buy now in cheaper valuations. And yet that hasn't been the case. Personally, I still think the day of reckoning is coming. So for my client portfolios, I'm not rushing to buy these companies. I'm selling clients to sell. I'm saying if you've got a lot of these tech shares that were dreadful in 2022 and they're nicely recovering now, then I think that's a good idea. Take some profits, take some off the table. I mean, the other part of the market that's also gone completely crazy has been crypto. Now, I'm not going to debate the pros and cons of crypto the next 20, 30 years, but the reality is in the very short term, you've made a lot of money out of crypto. Take some profit. And I think that's the message I'm telling people. So back to your point about, you know, what's my view on markets? I'm essentially saying to clients, it's very difficult at the moment to have an extreme view. Uh, and the comment I've heard from a lot of fund managers, this is not the year for macro. This is the year for stock picking and micro. And I think that's there's a truth to that. So rather, look at your long-term asset allocation. Don't take extreme views either way. And be very careful about the type of funds you're buying. So I do think there's a place in portfolios right now to be buying value shares or shares that and value is such a misnomer because everyone uses it and everyone has a different definition of it. But let's take it very simple. If you can buy good companies on realistic PE valuations with decent earnings going forward, they're not going to shoot the lights out with a nice dividend yield. It's not a bad place to park your money. And let's not forget the most interesting thing in markets today. Suddenly, cash has value. Yeah. You can put money into dollar cash offshore. And you can yield yourself anywhere from 4 to sort of 6%, depending on which funds you're invested in in the short term. Those are very attractive yields. And this has not been the case for as long as you and I can remember. I was um, reading some Bloomberg story. They have that little thing when they send you an email. It says stories we've been reading. And one really, really caught my eye, Bill Gates. 
He has just bought $902 million worth of Heineken. The holding company that owns 50% of the beer itself and Heineken, lest we forget, is the second biggest brewer. Now that is, to me, a defensive stock. I drink beer. I used to drink beer. I've given it up, by the way, Joanne. You'll be horrified. I used to drink... Thank you very much. I didn't say I hadn't (laughs) substituted with something else, but... (laughs) But anyway. well, it's, it's more, I'm sure whatever you've chosen is more slimming. Yes, carry on. <laughs> we'll have a chat about that off air. But anyway, the point is, it seems to me that that is a sort of defensive stock. It pays fantastic dividends. It's got a fantastic track record. And Bill Gates is going into it. And so I think to myself, well, perhaps this is the way to go while there's so much uncertainty. Go defensive. Look at the commodity stocks. Look at the South African commodity stocks, even with Iran that's been under extreme pressure. They've been completely clobbered. PGMs, golds, even diversified miners. And okay, a lot of that is to do with the logistical nightmare that is South Africa, getting your goods from here to the port and off, etc. But I worry about that. And I think that is maybe an indicator of a looming recession, whether it be in six months or a year, but people are getting out of commodities and an economy, a booming economy, uses commodities. How do you view commodities, please? Well, I mean, interesting you say it's a looming indicator. I think I always think of a canary in the coal mine when, when you, have excuse the pun, we look at commodities. If everything is so fantastic, why aren't commodities rallying? Mm, exactly. uh, and they're not. And I, and I think, you know, I think there's also there was too much um, exuberance around China reopening. And if you look at the property market in China, it still looks dreadful to me. Uh, And the Chinese property market was a large part of the reason uh, commodity markets have done so well for the last couple of years. You had a huge buy of commodities that sat in China. And if you look at their kind of growth, and I've spoken to lots of managers about this, the kind of growth going forward is going to be more consumer-led and less sort of infrastructure-led. And somebody reminded me today, remember Xi Jinping said, houses are for living in, not for speculation. So if you think about the kind of growth China wants to go into, it's going to be less iron ore, less that kind of growth going forward. And, and platinum is a very specific thing around hydrogen and electric, I mean, cars. So that's got its own particular example. And on, on platinum itself, the managers here I speak to are very bullish platinum. But, you know, you can be bearish short term and bullish long term. So if we go into a, into a recession or we start to worry about growth slowing, you don't really traditionally want to be in commodities because they tend to do very badly. But I think longer run, and it depends on your time frame, I think resource shares are a very compelling argument because not not necessarily mostly South Africans, but some of the resource shares are very compelling because I think the lack of capex will lead to these commodity prices staying higher for longer in the long run. So it's it's not it's a nuanced answer, Lindsay. I think in the short term you could have struggle with resource shares. In the longer run, I think they look really interesting. So I think it entirely depends on your time frame. Hmm. But the one thing that does make me quite optimistic about commodities, particularly not even the CapEx issue, is the whole ESG issue. And and if you look at ESG in the renewable space, they need a lot of mining commodities to kind of do what they need to do. You can't just do these wind towers and, you know, solar farms. You need a lot of commodities to create these things. You need so a I lot of copper. There's a tailwind. The mining in Darbo recently, a Cape Town, I interviewed somebody who spent the whole three, four days, whatever it was there. And it was, and I said to her, this, this is extraordinary. Copper's been mined for millennia. And yet here it is, suddenly, it's the new metal because it is 
forging its way in the new industrialized world. The green industrialized world needs copper, and yet copper is so old. It's a fascinating story. I think you're right. I think commodities in the future are going to be absolutely fantastic, and, and particularly South African commodity shares, because with the weakness of the rand and the renewed demand for the commodity itself in US dollar terms, I think it's a perfect dawn for commodities. <laughs> no, I agree. But I think there's a difference between the short and the long term. So I think commodities, to your point, are telling you people are getting nervous about what's happening in China. They're getting nervous about, you know, China's pumped liquidity into that market. But if you've seen the property market collapse around you like you've done in China the last two years, you might be a little bit gun shy at the moment. You may not want to go into new property developments. So the old traditional way that China grew its economy through just giving money to property developers, I think it'll be a lot more difficult going forward. It doesn't mean you can't make money through Tencent or Nuspas or Process through the, you know, that route. But I think the traditional route of, like, let's buy resources because China's doing well, I think is a little bit different. I think the route around resources today is around ESG, and that's a much longer-term story. So, yes, I think short-term, who knows where resources go, but longer run, I think the story is very compelling. Quick run on bonds, because last time we spoke, you are enthusiastic about bonds, and you put forward a very compelling argument. The South African 10-year bond yielded in the 1030s yesterday before the budget speech. It's now 1011, let's say. Still at a very, very elevated level. Do you still stick to your mantra of last time, buy bonds? Look, I think it depends on your client's outcomes, and it depends what kind of income a client needs. So if you need income, I think SA bonds are giving you incredibly attractive yields, real yields. You know, South African bonds and Brazilian bonds are giving you very attractive real yields. And then the cynic should say, well, why are they doing that? Well, they're doing that because, you know, the cut around the world moment, people don't really trust this government. And they don't trust they can deliver on their budgets. They don't, deliver, they don't trust them. But, you know, if you look at the budget speech this week, given that we have an election in 2024, and given, as to my earlier point, how angry South Africans are, it was amazing that he didn't do more to kind of support the ANC, inverted commas. It was a very prudent budget, continues to be a prudent budget. Will he actually achieve what he's setting out to achieve? That's a different story. But he certainly didn't go in. It wasn't a populist budget by any means. So if you are not buying SA bonds because you think the African government won't repay you, the budget we had this week should make you feel a little bit more comfortable. And mine's more of a valuation story. I look at inflation in South Africa, and yes, it may not fall quite as much as we hoped because of load shedding and food prices, but it still gives you very attractive real yields. Again, when you're creating a portfolio for a client, it's what's their cash flow needs, what's their risk appetite. So I, when I look at a portfolio, I go, look, SA fixed income for cash flow, fantastic. Buy global equities with a combination of South African equities for your equity bucket. So it doesn't have to be all bonds or all equities. I think it's a combination of the two. And I think SA bonds, for the return you're getting, for the risk you're taking, I think you're being more than compensated for it. So yes, I continue to think SA bonds make sense. But again, you do need to go very long end. Probably not because you're not paid a lot extra yield to go very long end. The, the medium, the part of the belly, the medium part of the bond market looks really good still. So I think that's where most fixed income managers play. Okay, let me just uh, conclude this discussion with a uniquely South African story. It's got to do with Eskom, it's got to do with the budget, it's got to do with Gwede Mantashe, it's got to do with Pravin Gordon, it's got to do with the now ex-CEO of Eskom, who resigned in December and now has been booted out ahead of his scheduled uh, departure at the end of March because he came out with a bombshell interview on ENCA a couple of nights ago. Who do you believe? Do you believe him? Do you believe uh, Pravin Gordon? Do you believe the ANC? Do you believe the finance minister? Which one would you hang your hat on? 
I assume this is a joke question, given I started the commentary by saying I've never been so angry in my life. Yeah. Um, you know, it's very easy who to believe. You know, I, I think let's make it simpler. Follow the money. Uh, and when he mentions comments, and if you haven't listened to it, I, I'd make anyone listening to this call go and listen to that ENCN interview. And I watched it today. I was horrified. It is. There's one scene where he, they wear knee guards. I think he talks about knee guards and he had some supplier selling knee guards into the, into Eskom for 350 rand a pair. The same <laughs> supplier was selling them to Eskom for 80,000 rand a pair. And you, and you just look at this, and I, and his words, he used the word treason quite a few times in the call. I totally agree with that. I think if you at the moment are doing anything to scupper the electricity story in South Africa, for me, that's the same as terrorism. It's treason. You should go to prison for a very long time. And to just, I mean, I'm sure you spoke about it this week on your show, but I think it was Sabanya this week. The gold, the miners were stuck underground because people stole the copper piping, so they couldn't get the miners back up. People are dying in South Africa because of what's happening. And at some point, the ANC government is going to be responsible for this and have to stand up and be counted because you cannot run a country like this. It is utterly impossible. And yes, the equity market, the fund managers will say to me, oh, but don't worry, the, the markets are fine. I'm going, yes, they're fine for now, but you cannot have an economy like this. You cannot have an economy where we don't have power. And, and look, admittedly, in two years' time, we're probably better off because everybody that can will be off grid. I'm not being nasty about South Africans because there are some fine South Africans and it's very good that they're so, they are so unstintingly, unswervingly patriotic towards the country, especially when, for example, Richard Quest from CNN was over here and they said, welcome to the country, welcome to our marvellous country, aren't we so fantastic? It went on and on and on. I read dozens of these things and I thought, okay, fine, but don't ever say to Joanne Bainham, what did you say at the beginning? If you ever hear that again, if you ever hear that phrase again, what was it? <laughs> South Africans are resilient. That's what you said. Oh, no, you hate that, I'm right? I'm sick of hearing it. No, no, I'm just sick of hearing it. I mean, it's true. We put one foot in front of the other and we keep going. But it just, can you imagine how amazing this country would be if we had proper governance? Yeah. If we just had people that stop stealing from us. Just a simple thing. Please stop stealing from your own people. It's not a lot to ask. Please. <laughs> South Africa has everything. It really has. I mean, it's the most bountiful, blessed country in the world. And yet somehow we've, we've managed to completely stuff it up. Anyway. They do talk about the commodity curse. Uh, and unfortunately, there are large parts of the world, you know, where you have abundant commodities and often this happens. Well, I was hoping South Africa wouldn't be like everybody else. But if you look at what's happening, it certainly feels that way at the moment. Thank you for your honesty. And I hope you don't get any hate mail or anything like that. Joanne Bainham is from Sterling Private Wealth in Cape Town. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.